Hello, and welcome to Career-ish, a podcast that explores the idea of what it means to build a career while disproving that building one has to be intimidating, scary, or completely planned. My name is Richard Sylvester, and I want to thank you for joining me today for episode 3 of the podcast, where I sit down and interview K-alum Drew Brockington. But before we get into today's episode, I want to let you know that this week's episode of Career-ish is brought to you by Wiser, the online networking tool that allows K-students to connect and network with K-alumni and get help with things like advice on how to successfully apply and interview at the company that they work at, skills to develop and courses to take to best prepare you to be a competitive applicant in your industry after graduation, or advice on how they discovered their career path with your shared major. Over 1,700 alumni have joined the platform specifically to connect with current K students. If you have never tried to network and need advice on how to get started, you can sign up for a career coaching appointment in Handshake. Log in today and start connecting at kzoo.wiser.io. That's kzoo.wiser.io. And one more time, that's kzoo.wiser.io. W-I-S-R dot I-O. So Drew is an alum of the class of 2004, and he was an art and art history major. He currently runs his own small business, where he is a children's book artist and illustrator. The reason why I wanted to have Drew on the show is because I think he has created a really fascinating career for himself using his art, and I thought it would be a lot of fun really helpful for art students or other creatives who are considering creating a career using their art or creative talent but don't know where to begin. Our conversation covers his time at K, what he did after college, and how he eventually found his current path and broke through and got his first book published. We also talk about a new comic book project he is working on for DC Comics, and if you like Star Wars, stick around because we talk about that towards the end of the podcast as well but that should be enough of an intro. So after the short musical break, the next voices you will hear will be my interview with Drew. Be right back. My guest today is Drew Brockington, an art and art history major from the class of 2004. Since graduating, Drew has built a really fascinating career for himself using his art, and he's currently a professional children's book author and illustrator. Drew, welcome to my show. Thanks for having me, Richard. Yeah, so um, one of the things that, to kind of like give the audience a little peek behind the curtain, you and I have been talking for uh, a couple months off and on to try to see the ways that the CCPD and you can end up partnering, and it hasn't actually quite worked out yet. And so once we start the podcast, you were one of my first ideas. I'm like, yo, I need to get him on the podcast. <laughs> I was super happy when you said yes to doing this. Oh, cool. It's uh, yeah, it's been it's been fun working back and forth to actually starting to think about you know the possibility of what and you know what having an an internship could mean for you know not just well one what could the internship mean for me and what i do and my business but also for 
you know, the potential student coming into it and like, what can I offer? And what did I wish I knew when I was finishing up my, uh, you know, undergrad? It's been a fun uh, rabbit hole to kind of go down and think about. Yeah, I can't wait. Hopefully next summer we're past all this COVID yeah. nonsense. We can potentially start something. So I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, me too. Um, so I guess that's actually a great place to start. Um, and just checking in, I believe that you live in the Minis in the Minneapolis area. So how are you doing, and um, what's the Corona situation like over there? It's uh, so I, I mean I'm doing good, and my family's doing okay. Uh, my kids are in preschool right now, so we switched to at home, and um, fortunately, uh, they've have a, a nanny that has been able to, de you know, she's deemed essential. So she keeps coming in and we kind of have this little bubble of our family and our nanny. And uh, so my kids have been doing at home learning and uh, it's been, I have a out of the house art studio that's just me in it. So my wife has been coming with me to the studio and she's set up a remote workstation. And, you know, so uh, for the most part, like, we've been able to keep on fairly with our, you know, this veil of normalcy. Um, and then just as in Minnesota uh, in general, our, I think our, our governor has been very proactive and, you know, um, basically the message has been like, uh, we're not, not, you know, until there's a vaccine that you might get that's sick. And the best thing we can do is make sure that, we have enough resources to cover everybody, uh, you know, as much as we need in case there's a spike or something like that. So he's been very like level headed and just kind of giving us updates on like, hey, you know, in one week we've procured the materials to have a thousand more beds in the ICU. So now this is our max capacity. So it's, it's been reassuring to kind of uh, have that, you know, step by step, like this is how we're doing this is what we've got you know on the back burner for if something happens oh that's really cool um so you mentioned that you have um a separate work studio then so i guess this whole situation that's kind of like the work from home it's probably not that typically a huge departure from the way that you normally work then no aside from having uh usually i'm just here with myself or sometimes my dog will come with me but um you know, aside from having a studio mate every day, um, that's been like the biggest change. And uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of my wife, uh, she does, uh, she's uh, she writes creative briefs for uh, the Target Corporation. So she okay. does a lot of like back and forth between the business end and the creative end. And that's a lot of you know meetings. And she's definitely one of those Zoom, uh, you know, workers now. And um, and so it's been a lot of me retreating into like headphone and you know just like trying to focus in on what i'm doing and not get wrapped up in the excitement of her job so you know i'm sure that's a new challenge i guess i'll say as somebody who lives alone so like i don't actually ever have to share my space yeah. like to me it must be a new challenge i'm just like oh i'm used to actually having my space to myself and being able to do whatever i want and now it's just like oh well like i love you and i want you to be here and i want you to keep working 
but also I kind of need to figure out how to like reconfigure the way that I work to accommodate somebody else that I'm not used to being in my yeah, space. Yeah, like right off the bat, I had these like little internal office squabbles where I was like, oh, I wasn't sharing like my water bottle or like I'd bring in, you know, you know, pretzels, but like she couldn't have any or like those were mine, you know? <laughs> so like trying to draw some territory. Uh, and then like now think we're on week four or something of that and i'm just like all of that's just been like forgotten it's like why did i even do that in the beginning what was the point of that but yeah i guess you had to go through those stages totally um so before we get started talking about uh your career path um i always like to start these interviews by going kind of all the way back to the beginning and like talking about like the lead up and how you got to k um, so where's home for you? So actually home for me is in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Uh, I grew up outside of Kalamazoo, uh, just south in a little town called Vicksburg. And okay, it's, yeah. um, it's like 13 miles south, I think. Or Yeah, it's not too far. Um, but I, I went through, let's see, and before that, when I was uh, even younger, we lived in Saugatuck on the lakeshore. Um, so like always been a Michigan kid and then, you know, very familiar with the Kalamazoo area. Um, and my dad, actually, Joe Brockington was the leader of the study abroad program or leader, uh, pro, pro host. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he, he, uh, was in charge of the study abroad program until he passed away. Um, so, and he, he was at K when I was at K. So that was a big, big push for, um, when we grew up in Vicksburg, uh, I have two older brothers and they both went to K and he was, you know, the biggest cheerleader ever for K being like, you know, you got to check this out, this liberal arts thing, you know, you, if you're interested in something or, or everything, you, you know, check this out. And uh, because I was the, the youngest of my brothers, I tried really hard not to go with the family flow. Um, and I, I looked a lot of other places. I looked at like Grand Valley and I looked at, um, you know, some other state schools and um, it ended up being that, like, I just had a great conversation when I met with the professors at K and, um, and it was, uh, it was, it was something that I, at the time I was interested in, you know, art and looking into like trying to figure out how to be part of film and, and they're, they were really open. Tom Rice in the art studio was like, yeah, I, uh, you can, that there's a lot of artists using video now in their, their work. And, uh, we have Dara Strauss that was in the library doing, um, the communications and doing her own, uh, series of, um, documentaries and things. So there was a lot of, uh, uh amenities available not officially, but definitely something that if I wanted to explore, I could. Uh, and yeah, I just kind of, there were, it was, it was a great conversation and basically ended with like, okay, cool. This was, you were right, dad. This is great. So I'm super interested to um, talk a little bit about that because I'm so curious about what it's like to go through a typical college experience with your parent kind of being right there and what that actually ends up looking like. But I'm going to put a pin in that question and get sure. back to it. The question I want to ask is, so like, so you're a Michigan kid growing up locally. Um, were you an artistic 
kid um, growing up, did you always like have a penchant for like, you talked a little bit about like movie and film stuff. Like, was that always a part of you or did you kind of like develop that as you kind of started uh, getting closer to the college age? I started, I really got into drawing in like fourth or fifth grade. That's kind of when I, I figured out how to draw. Like, uh, you know, I read lots of comics and my brothers and I were always trading comic books and things. And uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was really big around back then and yep. uh, and that's I really love the turtles and I was drawing the turtles and my uh, older brother Sam taught me how to draw a foot in 3D and um, and oh. I was I was blown away like for me that like changed it where like all of a sudden these drawings just had that much more reality to them and uh, then I started like that got me to like even like starting copying like comic styles and comic books and um, you know, coming up with my own characters with my friends. And um, there was also in the local, in the Kalamazoo Gazette, uh, there was a, a recent grad from, I think he was from Western. His name was Aaron Warner. He had a, a comic strip called Adventures of Aaron that ran every Friday. And uh, my dad showed that to me. He was like, hey, check this out. This is a local guy who learned how to draw and now he has a comic strip and the big newspaper and that you know i was in again eighth grade and i was like oh this is amazing this is like he was like my idol and i could meet him at comic shows and talk to him and um that for me was like he's living the dream you know and so he actually ran a, a comic book summer camp where he taught um, he and some other artists, local artists, uh, Paul Sizer, I think he actually did the K logo. Um, oh, okay. Uh, but, uh, and then other, Link Polderman was part of it. And then uh, there's two that I'm dropping their names. Um, but they ran this comic summer camp. It was like a three day day camp. And they, uh, by the end of it, you knew and had actually created, started creating your own comic book and had your own characters. And, um, I went to that and then came home and, and uh, promptly shut myself in my room for the rest of the summer and uh, started in comics. Um, and then uh, I did that through high school, uh, which, you know, just really having that, like, go to school and, you know, and do all the school stuff, but then come home. And, like, my main priority was to draw and, like, and, you know, create these stories and things like that, that really kind of helped just drive home art. And uh, my family was really good about encouraging that. And then also making sure like I took art during school and I wasn't just doodling in my notebook, but I was actually learning like methods of painting or you know, other things like ceramics and, and things like that. So definitely uh, trying out all the different artistic endeavors. Oh, that's so fascinating, especially the part about your family were making sure that there was actually like formidable art instruction going on and kind of helping to you to understand, oh, this is more than just a hobby or something that you do in your spare time. No, this is actually a skill that yeah. you should develop. Yeah, and I remember trying to, I was trying to not take, there was like a scheduling conflict with one of the high school classes. It was like one of the intro fundamental classes and, um, and it, it, like part of it was like art like we do art and then we learn art history too and i was like i don't need to take that and i was trying to get my parents to sign off on it and i remember them being like uh, the discussion of like 
just take it and learn the history. And I was like, I don't need that. I just want to make stuff. <laughs> uh, so yeah, definitely a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, even like strong armed encouragement, like you need to learn about what you're going to create, you know? So, so you're at K now. Um, and I guess we can unpin this question. And so to me, the reason why I'm so interested about this and a little bit kind of about me, like my father is a minister by profession. And so growing up, being in the churches, there was always kind of an expectation, just you need to act a certain way because your father is dot, dot, dot. Like, did was that kind of your experience going to K? And for like the students who may not know, your father is really instrumental in establishing the study abroad program. The reason why we are so nationally known for it, he was really instrumental about building a lot of that. How did that interact with you as you were going to K as a college? It was, um, it was, it was really uh, interesting, actually, because... It, I thought there was going to be more uh, like my dad would be like, Hey, you know, what, you know, why are you taking this class or more involvement with that? But uh, once I got there, it, it, there really was a, you know, it's such a small school, but it, it felt like, you know, there's separate worlds that you can exist in. And, uh, and I, I remember there was this point, I think it was like, this second or third week of school and I hadn't seen my dad at all because you know I as a a first year I wasn't involved with study abroad yet and um you know vice versa um and I I think there was this point that I was like oh I could go see my dad like I can I can stop in and say hi and uh that became like my new favorite thing like you know once a week or twice a week I just you know, go in and see if he's in his office and have a, you know, five or 10 minute chat. Uh, just, you know, see, seeing what's up, you know, I, I stayed on campus, even though I lived so close, I stayed on campus. And, um, you know, so I, I get the news from home and I share what was going on. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really great, like, I love that just being able to have that, like, casual relationship with my dad at his work and it was always you know a nice break for both of us uh to do that um and then but then the other side of it is uh i remember uh the end of uh second year my roommate was uh having some issues uh applying to his study abroad program and uh he was really mad at my dad and i remember him venting to me in our room (laughs) and uh and I was like, you know, part of me is like, oh, that's my, that's my dad. He's like talking about, and then, uh, <laughs> and then I go talk to my dad, and he's like, oh, your roommate had some things to say. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> so you know, it, that was the, the funny part. Uh, for the most part, I just, I I tried to stay, you know, on his, I'm just on the whole uh, department's good side. And, uh, but yeah, it it was, it was, I really enjoyed having, you know, having him there and it was fun. And, uh, and it was really like, just like the difference between my life as a student versus his life as a, you know, uh, working there, um, how little the worlds, the, the paths crossed unless I was, you know, when it was study abroad time, I saw him like all the time and, and at all the you know, brief, you know, the lectures before and, and leading up to it. And then even the in reintegration to school afterwards. Um, but then, 
senior year and the the um you know first year and second year like if i didn't stop in to say hi you know it might be might be a few weeks before i see him so i mean that definitely resonates with me because when i went to college the college i went to i also grew up in a pretty small town and the college i went to was literally like across the street from the school and so like literally i could walk to most classes in five or ten minutes from home so the first year i lived at home and then i was like (laughs) nope this sucks i actually want to be an adult and so I moved on campus like you. Um, I didn't see my parents for like an entire school year. Cause I'm like, unless there's a reason for me to go home, there's never a reason for me to be there. So I had to start being more intentional starting my junior year. Oh, I probably should go home and check in on my parents. Cause I mean, like I could basically yeah. see them from my dorm room. I just no yeah. reason to I go there. I was always so. like so excited to be like, I was, I was, you know, spring break was really hard and, um, and it like summer break like the first day you were allowed back into the dorms i was there and then the last day you had to leave yep. i would be like so slow and like even yep. like i worked fact man um in the summer just so that i could uh you know move in they would let me move in a little early uh you know just because i could say like oh my my room's ready and i'm on the painting crew so you know and they're like oh yeah get in a week early sure so there's lots of like things that I was just like, oh, I just love that. The freedom, I guess, of living on campus was really great. No, I totally get that. Uh, where did you study abroad in Italy? Um, it was, uh, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, uh, a good, uh, art history. It was supposed to be like, I guess it was supposed to be like a classics program. Um, but it was, there, it was, the school was open enough that you could, you know, for me, it was the art history side of things. Um, and there was enough offered there that I actually could um, really kind of focus in on that side of my major. That's so interesting. So I guess um, listening to you talk, there was really no bouncing around or like figuring it out once you got to college. You kind of came in knowing that you were going to major. I, well, in art I knew I was going to do art. Um, and I really didn't, I mean, I carried that, that, uh, art, you know, that kind of like, uh, art history mentality, like, oh, this is the boring side of art. Um, you know, I, it was in my uh, first, actually my first ever course at K was, uh, uh, art history, I think it was 201 or some intro to the Renaissance. And, um, and like mm-hmm. that was about midway through that class. I think it was it was after my first test, and I did. I thought I did really good, and I got like a C on it. Um, and I was like, "Oh crap! I really gotta like kick it up a notch." And it was when that I started actually like hunkering down and really getting into it and and studying it at that. It really that for me, like the the history behind each painting, and you know the the level of um you know like the patronage of like the popes through the royal families of florence and and down and down um and like how the you know the rivalry between the artists and things like that like how it was basically the the hollywood back then um like all the i guess the culture around it really kind of sucked me into this love of, of of art history and uh i ended up like continuing that, I think I had a different art history course every semester through uh, th- through the time I went to um, Rome for my study abroad. So the next two years, I had 
I took in six or maybe more art history courses um, just to keep on. It was great. It was like I was it was world history through the lens of art. So, um, you know, you're learning about the Dutch painters and then you're also learning about their economics, you know, struggle to uh, to grow their empire of trade and everything. Um, so there was a lot of like fascination that came with that, a lot of backstory, which was really fun to explore. Um, and at that point, I had taken so much art history that uh, I looked at the requirements for the art major and I was like, well, I don't want to, I can blend these because they have the com the combined major. So I can start blending my art history and my art and, you know, start taking my studio classes, but, you know, still keep all these history classes towards my major. So that's kind of what led me into that art, art history major. You know, to me, the thing that I find to be so interesting listening to you talk is this the point in which you start understanding the value of the breadth of experience and understanding the value of learning things that you would call supplemental. Because I was born in 1984, mm -hmm. so you and I are about the same age. And I don't know about you, but I'm at a point in time now working at K, and I'm also an academic advisor. And sometimes when I'm trying to encourage my advisees to like look at some of the broader aspects of the catalog. I'm like, dude, do you know how much I wish I could take art history classes or just, oh, I'm interested in like the history of film. Like, sure, why not? I have some free time to just go learn about that for no other reason than this. Well, I'm here for four years. Why not? To me, that's such a gift to be able to do that. And I think it's so interesting to me that you were able to capitalize on that and kind of start getting that understanding early on because as somebody who didn't take my generals very seriously that I would probably say is like the one part of my collegiate experience I do regret man I wish I would have stuck with the intro to sign language course I dropped or like this other course I was just like eh whatever I'm not going to take that because I just want to get yeah, these major classes and get out a, like filling one of my requirements and taking it was like an intro to religion course about um uh I think it was like intro to New Testament. And I, I remember taking that and just like doing the direct lines of like, oh, it's all the, uh, you know, everything we talked about in our history, but then through the lens of the actual, you know, how people were practicing and doing like that. And I was like, ah, oh, that's so fascinating too. Like, why didn't I, I go down this path sooner? It's like blending that, you know, it's even more expanding the world. And I only had time for that one class, but that was another one of those like, oh, a door's opening, but I'm graduating. Crap. Yep. Yep. The thing I find so surprising looking back is that just like little tidbits and little one-offs and things that you learn in those, in some of those classes that you just like, are just kind of like whatever about, I'm just like, no, those are things I still reflect upon today or sometimes things I think about, um, oh, when this thing happens in the news, because way back in the day, I took like you, like this intro to world religions and I actually had to go study and we actually went to worship services in different denominations. I could have a better appreciation for those type of things. And so at different points in my life, when you run into that intersection, it's actually, no, I am perfectly equipped to be in this situation from that like little bit of understanding yeah, I got yeah, from those some of those like classes. Illuminate just a little more of what you what you're taking in. You're just like, oh I know about that. I've heard that before. Yeah. So I'm curious, um, because you are also um an author, not just an illustrator, did you take any uh creative writing while you were at K or did you just kind of figure the writing yeah, piece out as my, kind of went further into your career? Now, looking back, just like you said, like, oh why didn't I take that class? It's like, oh why why didn't I 
I take any writing courses. I didn't take any, uh, I, I took, uh, English reading courses, um, but I didn't take any creative writing courses, um, from that. And it's, it's been something that, um, you know, as I started making comics, it's kind of, it goes, writing goes hand in hand in order to make the comics, um, that I've been, you know, just playing with and, and reading about and reading, you know, other people's manuals and attending, uh, workshops when I can. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, definitely something I'm still learning about and learning on the fly about, um, and, and it kind of like each product that I work on, something incorporates. Um, and I have friends too, who are, uh, who are professional, they're like your novelists and things. And, uh, I sat down with my, uh, my friend, uh, Nicole Kronzer, who has a, uh, her first YA book is coming out in a few days. And, uh, we were, you know, throwing around story ideas together and she got out this whole chart and started, you know, filling it in. And I'm like, how do you, what is that? What is this process? And she's like, oh, this is like how we figure out, you know, our, our characters like journey through the, through the story. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's how you do it. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> so like there's, you know, just finding that there's like real or not real, but like, um, tested methods you know rather than just like i've been like throwing stuff in my notebook and seeing what sticks and then you know things i develop versus like oh sure there's some some questions that have been tried and you know tested that that are you know bound to give you the a similar result or the same result it's like ah oh, this is amazing it's yeah so yeah it's definitely a big regret i never took uh, a creative writing course when i can um but i'm definitely always open to learning and and uh discovering more about it uh and i felt actually uh i think it was a year it might have been last winter i was asked to speak at the hamlin university's mfa program in children's writing and um and i i you know was here i was an illustrator in front of a room full of writers uh talking to them about what I've learned from comics about the writing process. And like it, it started off as a, uh, a presentation and then it ended up as a conversation because I, you know, they would say something and I'd be like, Oh yeah, let me write that down. That's a great idea. And so it was a really, uh, to be like, you know, I'm an expert in, or not an expert, but I know a lot about the, of this area in particular. And that's, you know, you know about this other area. So how do we, intersect together so you know to, to me one of the things i find to be the most interesting about what you just said and i agree with you because um uh, as somebody who i've always felt um is a pretty good writer i didn't take a lot of like writing composition stuff in college i just did like the basic like you know here are my required english courses sure get them done um and so and then but post-college I actually signed up and took um, basically a creative writing seminar from like a professional author. And one of the things that I actually found about that coming out of it, like, did it help my writing? Like, sure, it helped me improve, but it actually gave me a better understanding of why things work or why things sometimes don't work. And that being able to have that critical lens, I found it to be so beneficial. Like when I'm reading, when I'm writing books now, or even like when I'm watching TV to be like, oh, why is this scene not working? Like, well, okay, actually, because blah, 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 blah. I'm like, those are the type of things I'm just like, man, I wish I would have went back into, like, if I could go back, I would have taken completely different classes now. 
He's yeah. so, he's, he's really so much more like, useful to me later on. Brother, brother Dave, he's a teacher, and um, he, he teaches music. And um, but he's required to do x you know x amount of creative development hours or professional development hours through courses. And I I, I love that like model for teaching is that you. You, uh, I mean, you never stop learning, but it's focused to be like, go to this, you know, go to an institution and take a class um, where it's it's like that. It's almost like forced fun, kind of. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, and mm-hmm. he looks at it and it's like, oh, I have to do this class. But as an outsider, I'm like, oh, you get to go choose something new to learn about and, you know, on how to make you better. And that's it's not just like. Uh, you stumble across it like whenever i you know had that conversation with my friend uh nicole i'm like oh sweet this is a new writing trick versus like you know he gets to he has to go to a class and and uh you know learn some new materials and practices and things like that so yeah i really like that model so going back um to your college experience at this point it's your senior year what were you kind of looking at and thinking about? Like, so you know that you wanted to do art for your, your full time career. Did you have a good sense of like, okay, this is what that I means, or how the, I even get started the, on this if process? I remember, like, at the time, uh, you know, just finishing my SIP, and I had my uh, my uh, critique with the professors about my SIP, and um, and it was there was a lot of uh, like uh, conversation about. You know the projects I was working on, and uh, um, the uh, the subject matter of the art that I was uh, looking into, and so my SIP was it was all about um, trying to uh, make you aware of the the like activate the space of a gallery, so you're not just like walking around an art gallery looking at picture. Um, you know, you're, uh, where if you go to a museum and you, you run up, like, you know, like a lot of people run up to, you know, uh, the, uh, um, like, a uh, uh, the Mondrian, you know, with the color blocks or whatever, and like, you know, take a picture of it and then move on to the next one or something like that. But like, my question was, okay, how do I make you slow down at this artwork and actually make you, you know, experience it? Um, and, uh, and so my sip ended up being these like really long panels of wood that would peel off the wall and kind of hang over you. So you got the sense of like, is it going to fall on me? And, you know, it kind of brought a little more emotion or you could like peek around and see how it's hung up there and things like that. Um, just so that you're, you're more of aware of the space that you're in with this artwork and it, it has a bigger impact on you. Um, and that, uh, kind of sense of activating space and playing with space was, um, something that, uh, you know, was, uh, you know, something that I could, they're saying like, oh, this is like a really, uh, interesting path that you could go down and explore further. And, and, um, you know, I, I was basically leaving school with the idea of like, yeah, I do want to explore this more. This is a really cool thought. Uh, and the way I can explore this is through, you know, continuing school and finding like an MFA program, um, and, and just kind of, you know, continue to grow that way. Um, and so that's kind of where, yeah, when I was leaving my senior year, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to start looking at some MFA programs. 
Um, I'm going to, you know, look at like what, what's the next step to kind of explore this uh, artistic idea that, of activating spaces that I want to do. Uh, and then eventually, you know, the, I guess the dream job would for that would be like, Oh, and like trying to make it into a gallery or have a show or something. But I was really just focused on like, how can I continue to explore this idea? Um, and, and, uh, and that kind of led me to, I started, you know, I found a, a master's program through NYU that, uh, looked really interesting and, um, it was taught in New York for, uh, a year and then also taught abroad in Venice back in Italy for a year. So then I really like that idea of being able to go back to, you know, the country of my study abroad and, uh, cause that was really influential uh to me so yeah just figuring out how do i get to explore how do i how can i continue this um you know what i started with my sip how can i continue and so after you graduated yeah, then you went the, to new york the, and did the mfa uh, it was a master's actually a master's program that summer i um i went uh to new york uh, that winter, and I worked as a crew member on the Gates project with Christo and Jean Claude in Central Park for their giant installation. And um, the the master's program at NYU wasn't starting until uh, the summertime, so I worked on that for the winter. And then I found um, some work working in some of the New York galleries, doing art handling and just working the front desk, kind of getting getting by but also like trying to start learning the the art world and um and then i went into that master's program and uh and we were in venice that year and uh i think it was something where i had a really kind of i wasn't really excited about it uh, i had this really kind of you know reaction from it uh and it, you know i still did my work and i i, I continue to explore what I, I wanted to explore, but I don't think it was the right um, program for me. It was very hands-off and very like self-focused. And I was, I was coming from a world of, you know, when we have group critiques and we have, um, you know, the professor critiques and, and guided critiques and things like that. And when I got to this master's thing, it was very like self-motivated you know, you, uh, you know what you want to work on, you work on it. And, and that was just the style of the program that I was in. And I think walking into that as I was very like, I, I don't know if I want to do this. And, um, and kind of the more I learned about studio art, the more it learned, I was learning that, you know, if you want to make it as a studio artist, you should do try to do one of these three workshops and meet these people and then go to these programs and get, you know, meet these people who run these galleries. And it was really uh, this kind of more about relationship building, uh, less about your, less about your uh, exploring the actual art, but more about just like building your network. So you make sure that you're on these people's lists. And, uh, and that was kind of another like, I guess it was disenchanting uh, from, you know, you think about like, oh, yes, yeah, so you get to work in your studio and build this thing and, you know, and, and explore your whatever. And, and then 
uh, you know, you hear the other side of it, like the business end of it and how the business end of it starts, you know, immediately of like, oh, get to know these people, go to these shows and, and go to, you know, this program. And if you if you're not getting into this program, then, uh, you know, you might try a new city. You'll never make it in New York galleries and you know, go to this program and try this city. And it was, it was a very different world than what I think I wanted to be in. So you ended up then, um, so did you stay so and finish or did you decide time, that you were just going to leave and go do I something else? I left the master's program and I started working on, I started going back to be like, okay, what, uh, you know, what part of art do I like and do I want to, you know, explore more? And I really came back to like, oh, it's not so much about like this burning question of like activating gallery space and all that like that was really fun but what i really have enjoyed over the you know the senior year and this first year of the master's program is just kind of the creative process of going down the rabbit hole and uh you know and and kind of puzzling out figuring out what i uh am trying to you know trying to create and uh and it really started i really started appreciating just the whole creative process in general uh which then led me to like oh how can i what can i do to support myself that i get to use this creative process in uh and it kind of it led me to an internship in, in graphic design uh and i i had been playing around with uh you know using photoshop and 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 I did some, you know, some freelance work for like, you know, bands and CD covers and things like that and little things. Uh, but then, you know, I found this internship at a, a little startup studio and um, they're really gracious to be like, yeah, okay, you know, the programs, you have a good eye for layout, um, but you can, you can learn on the job, you know, we'll teach you and, uh, you know, gain experience as as you work and uh ended up staying there for seven years um and working through up to senior designer and and working with uh you know three to four designers under me um and and for me that was uh all about just like you know we have a client this is what the client wants how do we get there it's it was a blank slate every time and I really got to use those same, um, uh, you know, skills that I learned in my SIP of like, okay, this is what, you know, I'm, I'm, this is the problem I'm trying to solve. How do I get there? And it was that like the same blank, you know, gallery wall of like, what am I going to put on this wall and how do I do it? The same thing with like my, you know, the clients were like, uh, it was, uh, you know, I need uh, a box that has, you know, an Art Deco style that, you know, when you open it up, it will, you know, play a song and, and the scene will lift out of it and, you know, that type of thing. Uh, I should say we were like a, a stationary design studio that specialized in, um, you know, event invitation and, and you know, crazy presentations. Uh, so we did a lot of like, we, did stuff for the Emmys. We did a lot of like very fancy wedding designs. We ended up doing uh, Sean Combs personal stationery, um, just like kind of 
very over the top and grand um, kind of uh, uh, things that you can do with paper, uh, which is really, really fun. Um, so yeah, it was, it was all about just like figuring out that, uh, it wasn't so much the, for me, it wasn't so much the actual, like having to, to make art, uh, but, um, you know, in, in the sense of like, I need to be painting or I need to be building an installation. Uh, for me, it was, um, having the ability to use those like same creative skills, that I that I use when I do when I do a painting or I am working on an installation. Like how do those transfer to uh, you know what I'm doing for work? You know that's really interesting because I think one of the things that um, at least in our office we're definitely whenever we talk to students we try to talk to them about the importance of understanding at the core of the things that they're learning in their classes, what they really are developing is, like you just said, transferable skills that, like, you know, you're going to move as you leave came, move into different opportunities. You're not necessarily going to be in a situation where you could sit back and say, like, oh, I remember doing this exact same thing. Look at this perfect scenario where I get to apply this exact thing that I learned. It's like, no, I have these foundational skills that I picked up. I'm just like, okay, here's a new canvas. Here's how I can use the skills I've already had yeah, and developed yeah. lot, to actually fill out this new like, canvas. Do I know enough about this that I can, uh, you know, speak about it like uh, like someone who who you know speak about it with experience? And then the you know and and what it, what is that percentage like? Do I know like uh, when I started this in, internship? You know, I had probably sixty percent knowledge of you know what. Sh- she needed what my boss needed and i was like i can do layout and i can do you know i know about you know letters and how things work on the page and, and things like that and then um you know the other 40 percent i can you know learn as you you know teach me how i'm gonna absorb that and apply that to what i'm doing so yeah so you're at the company uh for seven years at what point did you decided that you wanted to pivot and so, then go um, start doing your th- own? It was work? Uh, let's see. So I've been there seven years, and my my job had changed a lot um, from you know starting as the initial you know just like a junior designer basically, and um, and and getting like layout projects, and then working up to concepting to you know at the when I left, I was actually meeting with clients uh and like developing the ideas with them and sketching and then handing those ideas off to other designers to you know make sure they uh get built the way they want um and it was it was about the time that i mean the the hard reset for me was uh my wife and i were moving from new york to minneapolis um and uh it was at this time that I would go to work and be this graphic designer, meet with these clients. And then I would go home and I would just draw for fun and doodle. And um, I started, you know, making little comic strips again. And when we got married, our uh, save the date was a comic book. And um, I started, you know, just reading comics more and going to comic cons. And that just got me more back into illustration and cartooning and things like that. And uh, when we were moving to Minneapolis, 
I, you know, said, hey, I have an idea for a story. And, uh, you know, I don't have any jobs. I need to do a lot of networking out in Minneapolis and see what's going to happen. Um, so why don't I just take a, uh, I guess it's, I call it a sabbatical, but it was unpaid. Um, why don't I just take some time and work on this idea for this graphic novel I have, this comic I have, and, and, um, and kind of, uh, start, you know, seeing what happens there, uh, and, and where that goes. And so when we moved to Minneapolis, I started doing that. I started writing, I started sketching. And then when, um, you know, at the same time, I was also started networking and I taught a few layout classes to high school students and, um, you know, looking around the advertising world here in Minneapolis and seeing what was available. And, uh, and I just kept working on both ends and I started, I started getting some freelance gigs for design and that was really fun. And then I also kept growing my comics and I started actually going to little, uh, you know, comic cons and zine fests and, and selling my illustrations and, and prints and, um, and about, uh, you know, a year and a half into doing both of these at the same time. Um, it was, uh, I had this, uh, mini comic called Catstronauts. It was about 10 pages and, uh, it was called Catstronauts in space. And it was just cute little space cats that go up to, uh, fix the most important satellite ever, which is a fish finding satellite. And then they come back to earth. And it, it was super simple. There's maybe like, I don't know, <laughs> uh, like 30, you know, or 40 words in the whole thing. It's not a lot. Um, it was just silly. And uh, I went to a show and I brought 100 with me and it, it sold out. And that was amazing to me. And um, this, uh, and then there was a person who approached me who wow. was like, hey, I represent, uh, you know, unknown artists and uh i want to try to get your book into more shops and so he and i figured out a deal and i did a print run of two thousand of them and over the next couple years he sold those um and they got into you know different comic shops that would have like a little local artist or independent artist rack of just random stuff and uh yeah so i sold two uh over two thousand of those uh little Catronauts and space books and uh and uh, you know i was still looking at freelance stuff and still every once in a while i'd apply to a, a, a graphic design gig and nothing came of it and then it just became more and more about like oh i love doing these comics i love doing these shows how can i like how can i keep doing this as my job how do i make this my job doing comics and um then uh, I stumbled sure. into the world of children's illustration, uh, and I took a class at, there was a, a summer workshop class of, like, intro to children's illustration at MCAD, the Minneapolis College of Art and Design, uh, and um, that was basically a portfolio builder for me, so I, like, in one summer, I I crashed through like eight pieces and actually had some stuff to 
you know, show off. And then I started, uh, you know, dive a little deeper. And I found the Society of Children's Books, Writers and Illustrators, which is an international society um, for people trying to get published. And I started, you know, coming up with, uh, you know, ideas for picture books and things that I can pitch and working on my pitch pieces. And um, I was, I had this list, I call it like my police wall or whatever, but I had this list of all these different agents that I was researching that I wanted to submit to. And it had, it was really creepy because it had like, their their profile pick and then like things about them and like the ones I really like were circled in red and you know and I was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm working on <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I swear it's not planning to murder a bunch of people. Uh and then randomly uh like one day I got an email through my website that's like, hey, I found your Catstronaut book in my local comic shop and I want to talk to you about turning it into uh, a book series. And I said, okay, cool. And uh, it turned out that my, uh, it was my future editor for the Catronauts series. And he had found the book, uh, that little mini comic in uh, a, a comic shop that he went into before, you know, they were waiting on a reservation for dinner and they went, uh, he and his uh, fiance went in there and, um, and they found this comic and he, he got it and he contacted me and we put together a pitch for the, the series. And uh, then he, you know, he took it and he pitched it. And um, it was like six months in between when we finished working on the pitch and when he actually contacted me again. And I was like, okay, don't contact him. Yeah, I, I was I was really like, like had like you know fingers crossed all this stuff but it was like don't contact him keep working on your other stuff keep like you know figuring out your wall of people and um and then uh i i was at this point too i was finally finishing the uh the graphic novel that i started when uh we moved to minneapolis um which is called Beacon, and it was like a ghost story in the 19th century Edison era thing. Um, and um, so it was like completely opposite of the cat book. And uh, he came back to me and he said, hey, good news. Uh, was I was finally able to pitch it, and your series got, it got picked up, and we want to do a series with it, uh, and we want to do three books. And I was like, holy cow, this is amazing. And then that just started a landslide of like uh, a friend of mine who worked in publishing said, contact every agent that you had on your list and say, you know, you have this inquiry from a publisher and they want to do a series with your book. And then, you know, within a week, I went from, uh, you know, just going to Comic Cons to all of a sudden signed with an agency to represent me, signed with the publisher to develop the um, you know, Catronauts book series, and then was immediately starting work on the first two books in the Catronauts series. So it was like a roller coaster, like all of a sudden, like nothing, and then a roller coaster of activity. That's really interesting. Um, I want to uh, actually, the first question I want to ask you is kind of like, how, <clears throat> what was it like to 
try to continue to be creative during that six months that you are waiting for an answer. Because to me, it sounds like I almost liken it to like um, a, a, an actor and that process of just like, you know what? I went on this interview and I think it was, or I went on this audition. I think it was really good. And if they say yes, yeah, like, it this was, is literally going to change my life. Really, uh, and now I'm just waiting. I had to kind of put it out of my head. And um, I mean, the, the fortunate thing for me was that, I mean, I told myself like, okay, if this goes through, you still need to have, um, it's not going to be everything, you know, it's, you still need to be able to, to do the, um, uh, you know, there's still new ideas to explore, I guess. Like, um, and I was, it helped that I was finishing up my, the Beacon series. Uh, so I wanted to finish that. I needed, you know, I, uh, there was like a drive in me to be like, I, when we moved to Minneapolis, I said I was going to do this and now I'm going to do this and I'm on the final, you know, issue. So I'm going to, I'm going to finish drawing this book. So I, I had to do that. I wanted to do that. And then also I wanted to make sure that, you know, I was still exploring those options of, you know, what to do with the children's portfolio and how do I exist in the, this, you know, how do I, how can I build a career in the children's art world? Um, you know, just in general. So I was still kind of tackling those questions. Um, and it just so happened that the Castronauts and the editor, you know, the editor's pitch, um, was basically, uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's like you're about to run a race and you look down and you find out you have like a rocket strapped to your shoes and you're like, Oh, sweet. This is going to give me a big, you know, heads up, head start. So <laughs> yeah, it was like, I have this great in right now, but, um, that's all I have. So what else do I need to make sure that? If this in go, if it, you know, if the green light is go on the Castanets pitch, then I can hit the ground running. And if it's not, then I can hit the ground running still with my other stuff. So, so we're going to talk um, more in depth about the Castanets stuff. I think this stuff is really interesting. But before we do that, we are going to take a quick break. So we will be right back. This week's episode of Career-ish is brought to you by Wiser, the online networking tool that allows K students to connect and network with K alumni and get help with things like advice on how to successfully apply and interview at the company that they work at, skills to develop and courses to take to best prepare you to be a competitive applicant in your industry after graduation, or advice on how they discovered their career path with your shared major. Over 1,700 alumni have joined the platform specifically to connect with current K students. If you have never tried to network and need advice on how to get started, you can sign up for a career coaching appointment in Handshake. Log in today and start connecting at kzoo.wiser.io. That's kzoo.wiser.io. And one more time, that's kzoo.wiser.io. W-I-S-R dot I-O. And welcome back. Okay, I was looking at a little bit of your art as I was preparing. Um, 
for this interview. And one of the things that I found, like actually all professional artists, is that like your artistic style and your artistic voice is very cohesive at this point. Like all of it looks, you can look at that and say, like, okay, this all looks like it was created by the same artist. Uh, like, I think how long did it, it take it took, you to actually I mean, develop that? It took a that? long time um, because I, it's it's really a result from just drawing so much that it, you know you kind of figure out. Um, it, you know, it becomes second nature and, and natural. And, um, and when, even when I was, you know, in, back in New York and I work you know, full time during the day and then come home and, you know, draw for fun. And, you know, and, and, uh, I look at those drawings and I'm like, Oh, that is so, my line work is so different. Um, and when we, when we moved to Minneapolis and I was taking that, you know, that sabbatical, <laughs> unpaid sabbatical, um, to uh to work on this graphic novel I, I gave myself the um the uh task of like okay i had a new sketchbook and i was like i'm gonna draw a new uh picture every day first thing i do when i sit down at this desk and um and i did i you know on some days i would do more than one drawing a day you know you end up doing a couple and i found friends that we would just go to a restaurant or a bar and hang out and sit in a booth and draw and, and, you know, chat. And, um, and it, it just, that style just kind of fell out from, from doing, uh, you know, one thing so much, like, you know, just, uh, working with the same marker, the same pen day after day that now I can just pick them up and, you know, it's second nature. It's becomes like a little extension. So yeah, it's it's definitely like a, a and it's a curated process too. It's like um, something where if I am drawing a character and I really like the way their eyes look, I'm like, oh, cool, and then I'll you know turn the page and then start drawing the eye over and over and over again just to kind of figure out how did I get that? You know, how is it so magical on that one drawing? How can I recreate that same feeling? Uh, so it's definitely like finding the things I like about, uh, what I'm drawing and then trying to recreate them and, and, um, and just incorporate them into the next piece. You know, that's really interesting. Um, the reason why I wanted to ask that is because I remember listening to an interview. Um, I believe it was an interview, um, that Kevin Smith did with Jim Lee and he asked a similar question and basically um, Jim's answer is the same, like how I kind of like really started honing in on my style and developing my craft is that like, I just did it. Like I literally for literally years, just like I drew constantly eight hours a day. Like this was my full-time job. I was drawing and sketching, um, inking things, lining things up, just kind of really honing my craft. And to me, I like, I think that that stuff sometimes gets lost when people ask you like, well, how did you do this? And they just kind of expect the answer to be less like, well, I sat down and now here I am. Yeah. This is like now you, there especially was a with lot comics, if you think about like, if, like if, if you're drawing up a, a book of Batman, like Jim Lee's Batman, uh, you know, how many times do you have to draw Batman in that book? Um, when, you know, when I'm talking to elementary students about the Castronauts books, uh, I go through my process and I say, okay, I, each book is about 150 pages. There's, four panels per page. I have to draw it in pencil, in inks, uh, color it, and I have to do the sketches before that happens. Um, 
that's about 600 pages worth of drawing I have to do. Four panels per page. There's a cat in each panel. That's over 2,000 cats that I'm drawing per book. And the reason why I can draw them so quickly and they all look the same is because I am literally like when I sit down to do a book, I am going to draw over 2,000 cats. So it's just the sheer you know number of what you're doing. So I want to get back to Castronauts. You've already answered the question and talked a little bit about the publishing process. And so the question maybe I'll ask as a follow-up to that is, what advice would you give to students listening to this that potentially want to try to get something published themselves? Like, what advice would you give? What are the things that you knew you knew um, now think with, a, that you didn't know kind of going is, into it back then? Uh, make sure that this is your your favorite idea. Um, that is not just your only idea, um, especially with publishing. Uh, I remember I had the, you know, when the pitch was picked up for Castronauts and I took that to, you know, the agents and I said, Hey, uh, there's a publisher interested in my Castronauts book that, um, all the agents asked me, well, what else do you got? What else do you got in your, your, you know, in your back pocket? What's your next idea? And, um, and it was, that was like a, a realization that was, um, like they, they didn't want to invest in me if, you know, if this was like my oh, one hit wonder, basically, they wanted to make sure that I was, you know, going to be, uh, you know, uh, uh generating more work for them too, that I was going to, you know, as, if they give me their services, I was going to continue bringing them new material that they could represent. Um, and, and it worked out great because I had that other graphic novel that I had just finished and I was like, oh, I got this older, you know, graphic novel I just finished and I have, you know, this is my children's portfolio that I've been working on and, and you know, that worked out. So, uh, I think if you're, if you're looking to get into the world of children's publishing or just publishing in general, uh, especially in the fiction side, it's, it's, uh, you know, make sure you have more than one work that you're excited about or or is that a, a place that you're uh willing to share um because i think the the question the always the question is you know like what else do you have what's your next thing that you want to work on um a lot of and that works with a lot of publishing houses too a lot of them sign up for uh you know like oh we really like this book this is going to be a great de debut book uh, so we're going to sign you for, and we, and we believe in you, so we're going to sign you for two books. Um, so you have your, the book that you submitted, and then also now you're responsible for a whole nother, you know, creating a whole nother book. So it just helps to have more ready, uh, in your, in your repertoire. Um, and then the, the other thing is, is that, um, that you can be published at, you can be a professional writer or an illustrator at, any age um you know i know people who uh they went to uh art school and uh you know my friend peter got his book was published his senior year at, at when he was at mcat um and then so he left school with a book being published and then has worked in comics ever since and now he works on the um avatar uh books through dark horse comics um and uh, so he does all the illustrations with that. Um, 
And, and it's amazing. Like he, and he's, you know, way younger than me. And I think he's turning 30 this year. And it's just like mind boggling. Like, holy cow, you left school with a book published. Um, and, uh, and, but it, it's still the same, uh, feat that you overcome. Even like, you know, I was, uh, I think I was 30 when, uh, Kestronauts was getting picked up and it's still the same level of like amazing accomplishment. Like you can be published at any level. I know people who like, uh, who my friend, Nicole, who's her book is coming out really soon. Uh, she is older than me and, uh, and it's like, it's her debut and it's so cool. It's, it really knows no, like publishing knows no limits. It's, it's just about, you know, like, uh, do we think people will love this and, you know, and let's put it out there. So, I have a question for you, and I'm just going to be honest to me, like, uh, this is less, I think, for the students' question, and this is just more for my own curiosity. Um, when you were, um, because you mentioned that when you, when Catronauts was first picked up, it was going to be a multi-book deal. Um, was there any room for you to negotiate uh, about the cadence of that and how quickly those books were going to come out? and I will actually give a primer before you answer. And the reason why I'm asking that is because like, there are definitely some books that I've read, which is just like, yo, I feel like you needed to take a break in between your last book and this book. Cause it seems like the ideas are kind of thin by the time you got to the end of this one. And like how much, um, like I said, like how much room is there to negotiate when you're kind of like saying like, yeah, okay, uh, you want me to do three books in three uh, years. Like, dude, I kind of need more time than that. And, um, the, um, they, they, and when I started the process of the Catronauts deal, it started as three books. And by the time we finished it, it was four books. So uh, like Olson was like <laughs> responsible for even more. Um, and they were, the publisher came to us and they said, you know, we, this is a new series. We want to establish this as a series right away. So we are going to release books one and two at the same time. And, uh, and then we're going to do, um, six, every six months after that, we're going to release the next two books. Um, so they were very aggressive with it. Um, and they, they gave me a runway of, uh, about a year and a half to get the first two books done. And then it was about eight months in between the other books. Um, and it, it was something that when we, we started that because they wanted to be so aggressive, I started working on the concepts for all of the books at the same time. Um, and I had the, the first book was down cause we pitched that. That's what we pitched, but I had to come up with the other three books. And, um, and so th at the same time that I'm working and I'm drawing and I'm, I'm, you know, in the, the mix of finishing the first book. Uh, I'm also, you know, batting around just concepts and, and outlines for the next one and the third one and the fourth one. Um, so that I'm, you know, I'm kind of thinking of them all together. And, um, it was something that as I was working on them, uh, when I got to that fourth book, because I had been thinking about that book and what I was going to include and, the, you know, what the characters were going to do, I had been thinking about that book for four years. That one was so easy to write. It was like, la, 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 la. You know, I had just been like internalizing the story for so long that I didn't 
it came out so easily and the drawing was just like it was a really fun book to work on and i think i turned it in early i was amazed i was like this is done i guess all right and um yeah it was yeah, so uh, the initial, they were very uh, strict on when they wanted those schedules launched so that it could be established as a series. Um, and then since then, I've, uh, I've done two more books with them. And that's when I came back and I said, I want to expand the Catch or Not series, uh, but I want a little more time in between each book so that I have, you know, because I'm not doing them all together, I want to be able to flushing out my stories and just giving myself time to like sit with them and, and, um, and, and, you know, not just plow through them basically. So then I, uh, the last two books that I worked on, uh, I gave myself a year each to work on them and kind of spaced them out a little more. Got it. So I want you to talk a little bit about like, um, what it's like to work for yourself and some of the challenges of running a small business. One of the things that people aren't going to hear um, because I'm going to edit it out is that like before we started talking, um, I was kind of talking about like, you know, me starting this podcast, and like, you know what, there was no podcasting one-on-one class in college. Like I'm just having to figure all this stuff out as I go. And I'm sure there's like, a lot of the similar yeah, experiences for uh, you as you're trying to figure out what it means to uh, run a small business and work for yourself. Um, pretty, uh, pretty much a learn on the job process. Um, and it's, it's something I don't think I would be able to do at the same level that I'm at now without my previous experience of working in the graphic design studio, uh, for those seven years when I was there. Um, just because that, like working with different clients and looming deadlines and, um, you know, we're, uh, being in charge, being responsible of people underneath me. And then also with, you know, making sure the clients are happy and things like that. Like that taught me so much about like uh, just task management and, and juggling multiple projects and keeping everyone happy and also being able to manage other people. Um, not myself and that's, uh, or, and manage myself, um, like self motivation and, um, you know, just being able to sit in the chair and do work, um, has been the, the biggest thing that I took away from my job was my previous job as a graphic designer is like, this needs to be done. I will get it done for you. Um, so there's, you know, a couple times that there was like a hiccup in the publishing schedule or I, you know, was sick for a while, um, you know, and I missed a few days and it's like, oh, we need these new, you know, we need this new artwork. And I'm like, okay, great. Uh, I will, if that's, the, if the day is not flexible, I will get it done. And, uh, and just being able to, you know, organize it and, and, and tackle the workload in a, in a way that, um, you know, is doable uh, even under like the, the pressure from the publisher or, uh, another client. Um, so that, that's been a big takeaway. Um, but then the, the other side of it is, uh, the, you know, realizing that, Oh, I do work for myself and I can, I can, uh, do 
you know, expand that if I need to. Like I had uh, some deadlines that were were looming and I was able to uh, do some contract work with my friend Todd, who, uh, who jumped on and did some coloring for me uh, for some of the books. And uh, just being able to like realize like, oh, I'm reaching my limit and I, this is a business. So what does this business need to succeed? Uh, and who can I reach out to and how to expand it? Um, one of the weirdest things is the, um, the, uh, pub- or the publicity side of things. Um, because, you know, as an author, you think like, oh, the, um, you know, the publishers got a publicity plan and that's going to be great. And, um, but then that only goes so far. And I've learned that, that, you know, a publisher's publicity plan is very different than what you think, uh, happens as an actual author. Um, and you know, so they do lots of like, Oh, we got great placement in Barnes and Noble, or we're a featured book on, on Amazon or on IndieBound this week, or, you know, things like that. And, um, you know, like, oh, your book's going to be, there's a sidebar ad in Publishers Weekly. This is really big. Um, versus like, uh, things like, like doing podcasts or, uh, you know, teaching to going to schools and teaching this to, uh, you know, talking to kids and, and running workshops and things like that. That's all stuff that's not set up through the publisher. That's all things that I've had to go out and, uh, and, and build myself. Um, those relationships of like, oh, going, you know, let's do a school program and, uh, you know, how much do I charge for that? And how much can I, uh, you know, do I want to uh, make sure it's accessible to all schools? And, you know, uh, you, that type of thing has been uh, a really interesting side of the, um, the business. And uh, recently I've had to like, you know, set limits for, I mean, real recently school visits are canceled, but, uh, but also like, um, like I've had to set limits on like, Oh, how much yeah. time can I give to that side of, of the business? Like how much time can I give to, you know, uh, 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 virtual appearances or, or, um, you know, uh, public, you know, public appearances or, or online, uh, workshops or things like that versus, uh, the other side of things is like, I still have book projects that I'm working on now. Uh, so uh, I need to make sure that I'm hitting my deadlines for the drawing and the creating side of things. So it's kind of, it's kind of like this double, there's a double world to it. Um, which has been really interesting to, to figure out and navigate and find a, a balance between. So we are going to wrap up soon, but before we do, I want to ask you two questions. The first is, you know, you've been working on your own stuff for a good bit of time now. Um, Would you ever consider going and working on something else like and maybe not necessarily like a big thing like, oh, I'm going to go draw Batman or whatever. Like, um, I'm sure you have like your own interests. Would you ever go consider just like, I'm just going to be oh, like man. a featured uh, artist that, on there are those the new Avatar books that, or on uh, the Critical Role books or something like that? And work on. Uh, one of the ones right now that I'm, I'm actually uh, knee deep in is I'm, I'm working on a book for DC Comics um, 
and it's it's a, a bizarro story so like the superman opposite guy um so i'm really excited about that and it's like i got it they you know this is and they said you know hey dc comics is open to pitches and i was like great i'm gonna pitch this story and uh and they liked it and now i've like i've I'm in the the penciling stage of the, the book right now, but I just did a panel where one of the characters is looking things up online on the dailyplanet.com and all the articles are written by Lois Lane with pictures by Jimmy Olsen. And just being able to like write that, it's so satisfying sure. to be like, oh my gosh, I'm in this world. It's so cool. Um yeah, so that's been that's been amazing. Um I would love like I love Adventure Time. Uh, that show, and I would like anything related to that at a drop of the hat. I would be like, yes, I will. I will like, let's do some Adventure Time stuff. Um, you know, yeah, or like a chance to do something Star Wars would be like mind blowing. Um, that would be really, really exciting. Uh, and then the, uh, yeah, the other side of it is like, um, like. Uh, figuring out like okay like now i have this world of castronauts and it has there's six books and uh i'm working on now a prequel series where the cats are going to be kittens and uh and then i get so i get to expand this own world that i've developed and that's been really exciting too to think about like the Kestronauts books are so focused on like life as a Kestronaut and in the space zone and you know, at what's happening with the the president and, you know, getting projects approved to go to space versus this kitten book is all about just the world in general that this cat world exists. So it's been really fun to kind of go down that rabbit hole and, and expand the world that way. Sure. I mean, like, who knows with like everything kind of, we're in a space now um, because of like the MCU where like, you know, the publishing world and like the film world and stuff like that, they understand like the value of creating more fully fleshed out and developed universes. Yeah. So like who knows where you could actually end up taking cash or not. Like <laughs> it could become an animated show. So actually I'm gonna sneak another question in here because you just brought this <laughs> you just mentioned Star Wars. Um what did you think of um the last three movies? Um and if you don't want to answer this, just feel free to pass and I'll just edit this question out. But I'm just curious. <laughs> um, and I guess here, here, I'll answer it first for you so you can kind of figure out how you actually want to say it. So, like, I'm a person that, like, didn't necessarily, like, super grow up on Star Wars because we just weren't a movie watching family. So, like, there were, like, so I've always been kind of fine with the series as a whole. And so when this latest, you know, um, 7, 8, 9 came out, I thought seven was pretty good. I thought eight was really bad. And I was so beyond uninterested to see nine. And when I finally watched it, I ended up really, really liking it, especially because I think that that third act of that movie is just like oh legit amazing. Right. Uh, um, okay. So I'm curious so, just kind of uh, like how you feel I, about this, I the seven, eight, nine prequel. Star Wars, but it was on like a VHS that we just had. And um, so at some point I watched it, but you know, it's one of those things that my brothers and I always watch together. Um, and uh, I have like, I have no problems with the the last Jedi or rise of the Skywalker. Uh, I have 
And even the Last Jedi, like I, I get what he was trying to do, but uh, my, sure. my big beef, like I love Rise of Skywalker, and I thought it was such a great like tie-in to the original series and even the prequels, and 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 just kind of like bringing all that stuff to light. My big beef with the series was, you know, why did they, yeah. why did they, they only they were writing them one episode at a time instead of somebody writing an overall arc for all three movies and saying, mm-hmm. like, you need, like, we can have different directors, but you need to hit these points. You can do whatever you want. Absolutely. Story points. And, uh, and that's what Lucas gave the original, uh, you know, trilogy and then the prequel trilogy too. All of those were, uh, they're so much more cohesive because there is one visionary behind the whole thing and saying like, okay, we're going to do this. And even in the prequels, like he launched with Jar Jar and was like, this is going to be huge. And there was so much backlash. He's like, okay, I'm going to back off Jar Jar. And, uh, you know, basically Jar Jar is like non-existent in the rest of the two uh, prequels, but he's still hitting those overall story points that he wants to hit. And, um, yeah. and you, it's a shame because the last, you know, Force Awakens was so much fun. And Last Jedi did a lot of cool work. But then you get uh, you get basically the battle of the directors, uh, you know, where J.J. Abrams is like, well, this is how I thought it was going to go. So I'm going to do that. Uh, But once you accept that, it's like, this is fun. I want to have fun at this. It's it's great. And I I don't don't know. I liked it a lot. Um, And I've also been down the rabbit hole of, you know, all the cartoons and all the Mandalorian and, you know, books and. And things oh, like yeah. that. I just love, you know, I I'm pretty deep in that world. So I think the Mandalorian probably, at least in my personal opinion, is probably the best Star Wars property ever made. Books, comic books, video games, movies, all of it. Like I think Mandalorian is number one. Yeah. Not even yeah, close. That's to. Been so much fun to watch and and just uh see how like they I mean they feel like like films. Uh, you know, it doesn't feel like a show. It feels like you're yeah. in that world. And that's that's just, you know, I love it so much. But also, like, those are 30-minute episodes, and they were able to do so much in 30 minutes. Like, it is, even going back now and thinking about it, like, dude, it is so incredible to just be like, yo, in an era of, like, prestige television where, like, everything is an hour or, like, an hour and change. It's just like, no. They did like really tight, really good episodes, 30 minutes long. There's no fluff in them. And that overarching season is really good. I guess I probably <laughs> shouldn't spoil how it ends for anybody yeah. who haven't listened to it. But how that kind of like the redemption arc that and the way that it wraps up almost like, yo, yeah, incredible. I, just, just incredible. I, I think along that lines too is like they're, they decided like, let's tell a simple story. Uh, and I, I think that's where like some of the, Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker stuff gets weird is because they're like, okay, we want to tell this crazy, overly complicated tale of how, you know, it affects Rey and, and all that, everything. Um, but then you go back to, yeah, something like The Mandalorian where it's like, we're just going to tell, this is a simple story. We're going to tell it and really like focusing on it and do it amazingly well. So, and I mean, also to your point, um, you know, when you look at, how the MCU has been shepherded by Kevin Feige. Like films are industry where like everybody copies everybody. So like, how has nobody else said like, yo, 
we're just going to literally have one person who's going to shepherd this whole thing. All decisions go from him. It's one cohesive vision. And it's just like, uh, DC has not been able to figure it out with like their cinematic universe. Like you said, like when you look at like what happened with these three Star Wars movies, it's kind of like having a, a different director, uh, Ryan Johnson in the middle. It's like, dude, this problem has been solved. Like literally yeah, just, and do, it's that. Mind-boggling just do that. Star Wars Cause I know they have people who are ahead of story like Dave Filoni and, and things like that, whose job it is to make sure that it fits within the Star Wars world. And it is cohesive in that world. And, um, and just, uh, I think it's that, that ploy of like, oh, how much power does the director have versus, you know, how much power does the world have? And, and, in the instances of the, uh, you know, Force Awakens, Rises of Skywalker and, and Last Jedi, it's all instances of like the director has been able to, you know, at least compromise or, or whatever their vision through the, um, with, you know, the, the world of the Star Wars. The, the one thing I am excited for is I, I am excited for, uh, uh, Rain, uh, Johnson, or Ryan Johnson's, uh, trilogy, his own trilogy, his own Star Wars trilogy that he gets to work on because that's going to be his vision throughout the whole thing, you know, and I, as I enjoyed Last Jedi, uh, there's some parts of it I was like, oh, weird, but like the fact that he gets, you know, three films to do and explore his own rabbit holes and, 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 and look at that uh, without, you know, you know, other directors kind of like trying to morph it into other things like that for me is really exciting um, to see where that goes. You know, I don't know how I necessarily feel about him as a director. Here's what I will say is that I'm interested to see what the Star Wars universe looks like without the shadow of the Skywalker family looming larger over the whole inter- over the whole universe. Cause I think, like you said, like what, like we've seen with like the Mandalorian. And I think probably in my personal opinion, um, the second best Star Wars property, um, is probably Rogue One. Mm-hmm. And again, it's not even close. And so to me, I look at those, I'm just like, you have proved. And I probably say in my personal opinion, like when you say like, even in like the, the third one, uh, the third, best property is probably uh, the video game Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. And to me, like all these three are like show like, dude, you can tell really interesting stories in here outside of just like the Skywalker family. Um, and so to me, I potentially look at this like, okay, well, Ryan Johnson, if you want to go and you, if you want to talk about like what smugglers look like or what this other part of the universe looks like, or like, let's go back like early before, like uh, the first, uh, the first order and like, you know, some of that other stuff, like, there are different. There are definitely stories to tell in that universe. It's just yeah, we're going to yeah, see where he I goes with it. That's the cool thing. It's so it's so big that like why not explore those other facets of it? So for real now, the last question I'm going to ask is just you know what advice would you give to any students, um, any art majors listening that are looking to think about they would like to develop a career using their art, but they just have no idea where to begin. Uh, I would say, say think about what is it about art that you want to continue working with. Like um, for me, like I, when I was working on my, my sip, I really discovered like, I, I liked the whole process of the creating that, you know, using that creative process, figuring out, you know, how to solve the puzzle of what, you know, 
creating the building the sip and and, and putting it together and, and making it work and uh to me that was really uh later that I, I learned like oh this is what i love i love this inventive this creative process this blank slate and then building something up from it uh and then figuring out what uh where i could use that in different careers or different jobs um and that led me to graphic design where at, you know each client was that blank slate and i got to you know use those same practice you know methods and ways of thinking and building what ever the client wanted um so really kind of examine like is it you know do you love uh is it creating is it you know is it actual you know drawing uh you know is it you know working with the materials or things like that uh you know some some people it might be like uh just analyzing art and what other careers are there that you can use to you know talk about it and analyze it um you know art therapy or uh you know different ways of that um so it's it's really just like taking a step back and not being uh you know take a step back from from the studio art aspect of it and say okay what about the art world do i want to take with me into the next you know into my next stage of life and kind of figuring out how you can apply that to um to whatever you're doing Awesome. Um, where can people follow so you and find your art on the internet? I am available online at uh, drewbrockington.com. Uh, that's my main author portfolio page. Uh, and then you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm at the Brock Art. That's T-H-E-B-R-O-C-K-A-R-T. So at the Brock Art on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I just started a YouTube show uh, where I am uh, doing drawing demos every day for people of all ages. Uh, and you can find that at bit.ly slash Drew Rockington. Uh, so bit.ly slash Drew Rockington. And then otherwise, if you're interested in Castronauts, uh, go check out the uh, children's graphic novel section in your favorite local bookstore. Uh, or their online equivalent. And welcome back. What a fun conversation. And I want to thank Drew for taking the time to sit down with me. You can find his personal webpage at brockart.net. That's B-R-O-C-K art.net. You can also find him on Twitter and on Instagram at the Brock Art. Please go give him a follow. Now before we wrap up this episode, I want to ask you for two quick favors. First, if you are listening to this right now, would you please share it with your friends? This podcast is produced with current case students in mind. We realize we are going to have a lot of listeners that aren't current case students, and while we appreciate each and every listener, we want to make sure that our current students think that this podcast is useful for them. So please share it and let them know about it. Second, would you please rate us and review us and give us five stars on iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Giving us five stars helps us get visibility, 
and make sure we get into the ears of the people who need to hear us the most. Career-ish was produced by the Center for Career and Professional Development at Kalamazoo College. The intro music is a song called Never Forget by Raj featuring Christopher Sims. The outro music is a song called Friendshippers by Dave Fox. Information on where you can find all the music in this show, including the bumper music, can be found on the show notes of this episode. I want to thank you for listening to this episode. Your time is valuable, and it means a lot that you would spend yours here with me. I want to thank the amazing Drew Brockington for being a guest on this podcast and for a great conversation. I want to thank my colleagues in the CCPD for helping to produce this show. Until next time, thank you for listening. Stay safe, stay indoors, and stay positive. Take it easy.